Hi, and welcome to Effin' Hormones, the podcast about perimenopause and beyond. It's basically me and my three mates, Terry, Helen and Bina, getting together to commiserate, support and have a laugh and a bloody good swear, of course, about the trials and tribulations that can kick you in the backside at this time of life. And let's face it, a laugh and a swear really can make you feel much better, can't it? Now, unfortunately, Bina and Terry can't make it for this episode, so you've just got me and good old Helen Brown. Uh, That's uh, our producer, if you're new. In this episode, you're going to hear the award-winning broadcaster, podcaster and author, Sam Walker. So, Sam worked in radio in the UK, including BBC Radio 5 Live, and a couple of years ago, she upsticks and moved to Phoenix, Arizona. It was literally a follow your dreams moment. Her award-winning podcast, Desert Diaries, tells you the full story. She's now an audio consultant and podcaster. Last year, her amazing podcast, American Vigilante, hit number one in the true crime stats. Oh, and she happens to produce one true of my... Crime po- oh, true crime charts! True crime charts! Are you having a hot flush right now? Oh, yeah, I'm actually having a hot flush oh, as mate. I'm trying to read this. I'm not even joking. Can you see? Have I gone yeah, redder? you've gone beetroot, Emma. Let, uh, let, let's, just, let's not worry bonkers, about the intro. Look, we're here with our mate, Sam Walker. You'll have heard her on Five Live. She's got loads of amazing <laughs> exactly. podcasts. She produces coming out stories with Emma. Uh, she's got an award-winning podcast, Desert Diaries, and her amazing podcast, American Vigilante, hit number one in the true crime charts. Last year? Was it? Was that last year, Sam? I think so. I don't know. I lose ah. all track of time. She's here. Hooray! It's Sam Emma's having a you hot see, flush. If Bina and Terry were here, it would already be a lot more professional. That's all <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, you're right as well. You know, so right. they're the two who keep it all together. This is, this is, this is the, the, as good as it's going to get. And Pretty it's already much. quite bad. I mean, we're going we're gonna to find out all about the, um, the healthcare system in the US and how easy it is to get yourself um, HRT. But I'll tell you what's happened in this country is that we've run out of everything, basically. So in the last month, I've taken not enough HRT and progesterone ran out, basically, for the whole country. So I've had, yeah, and I haven't taken bad. any testosterone for a month, no progesterone for about two months. So I'm all over the place again. So oh, um. that's what's going on here. And now I'm having hot flushes again. After thinking, I've got everything sorted. Where's that's your disco rubbish. fan? Bollocks, isn't it? It's bollocks. And I thought I was so sorted, I don't even have a disco fan anymore. Right. So you've not got the fan to hand. No, it's bollocks. Yeah. <sighs> Welcome, <Anyway>. Sam. <laughs> this episode is about you, not Emma. <laughs> Hi, let's find find out about your perimenopause story. Come on, Emma, dive in. Dive in. Okay, Sam. So, I mean, we know you, but I feel like having read some of the notes on this episode, I don't really know what the hell you've been through in the last Mm. couple of years. You've had it pretty bad, right? Yeah, it's been quite horrible. And I was thinking about it and it actually started while I was still in England. I had no idea. Hindsight, isn't it a wonderful thing? But I remember probably about 2018, I left England in 2019. 2018, I was still broadcasting on BBC Radio 5 Live, you know, doing up to seven shows a week, depending on the week, but at least one Hmm. show a week. And it started happening that I couldn't remember words. And when you are broadcasting live to the nation, that's quite stressful. And I remember mm-hmm. the first time it happened and I was interviewing one of the education ministers. I can't remember who it was. And it was about some new reforms that were taking place to the highest high school curriculum. And I couldn't remember the word for pupil. And I knew I couldn't remember the word for pupil. 
as he was still talking and I knew I was going to ask a question, well, has anyone talked to the pupils about this? And I knew I was going to ask that question, but as the question started to formulate in my head, I realised, oh, what's that word I need? What's that word I need? And I could tell him with the cadence of his voice, he was coming to the end of the sentence. And I was thinking, oh, shit, 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 shit. What's the word? What's the word? What's the word? And everything sort of started to really freeze and fog over in my head. And I ended up saying to him, well, you know, this is all very well that you've, you've, you've discussed this with the unions. But has anyone spoken to the, the people that are in the classroom that the teachers are teaching? And that's the nearest. And of course, as I'm oh. saying it, I'm thinking, I sound stupid. Oh, what is going on? And, you know, you both have done live radio and you will know that the the audience, not very nice, some of them, <laughs> cannot wait to bring you down a peg or two, especially if you're a woman and especially if you're a woman on a quite predominantly sports station as BBC Radio 5 Live was. And so as soon as I said it, the texts were coming in. What's wrong with you? Can't you speak? Oh, you don't even know what you're talking about. You don't. You... And I, all I was thinking was, why couldn't I remember the name of the word for pupil? This is ridiculous. Ridiculous. And you think the worst, don't you? You think early onset dementia, don't you? Oh, I just thought, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why am I tired? Am I too tired? Did I have a drink last night? Did I stay up too late? Am I am I doing, you know, you instantly blame yourself. You know, am I just, you know, burning the candle at both ends? Have I taken too much on work-wise? Maybe, the, and then you start to go, oh, have I spent enough time with my kids? Maybe I'm concentrating too much on work. All from forgetting one word. And this happened a few times and it became so frustrating and I had absolutely no idea that this was brain fog at all. Had no idea, thought I was losing it and just sat there and sort of took all the the flack really from the the gorgeous listener. And had you any understanding or concept of the menopause before it hit you? Hot flushes I'd heard about. I'd heard about hot flushes. I'd actually done... A phone in on Five Live uh, about six months before about menopause, and it talked about um, anxiety and talked about mood swings a bit. Mm. And I just remember getting this one text from a man saying, "Oh my gosh, if I'd heard this program a year ago, I don't think I'd be divorced. I'm heartbroken." Wow! And that really affected me. And I thought, "Oh my wow. gosh, really? You've got divorced because of mood swings and anxiety?" And I wasn't doubting him. I was thinking, "That's heartbreaking." And the yeah. fact that he'd reached out to a stranger to say this, I thought. This is some heavy shit here. Why don't we know more about this? But then, of course, what do you do? You go home and you've got two kids and you've got a dog and you've got a cat and and everything, you know, life takes over and you don't spend time sitting and thinking about, well, okay, this is clearly coming towards me like a freight train. What Mm -hmm. do I need to do to prepare for it? You just kind of get on with life. That's what happened, I think. And you probably thought as well, because I certainly, I know, I don't know, I did. I was like, oh no, this happens to old people. You probably yeah, thought right. you were the wrong age, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And I knew actually from you, Emma. You know, I've known you a long time, but even with your disco fan, and you'd be saying, "Oh, I'm having a hot flush." I just thought, oh well, you know, that's happening to Emma, and that's shit. But I mean, I think you did have it quite early on in your life. And my sister-in-law mm. also went into perimenopause at forty because she'd had some fertility issues, and so I know that this happens to people. Uh, to women kind of at any time, really. But I also, I just think the brain is an incredible thing that it it fills in lots of the blanks for you. And so I was always, oh, I'm a bit tired. Oh, I'm a bit stressed out at work. Oh, I've got too much on. And so that's the excuse I gave, I think, as more and more symptoms started to stack up. Mm. And then I guess in the middle of all this, you then 
moved to America with a completely different healthcare system, which we'll come on to. But did it did it get worse and worse once you'd left? It did. And, you know, I was clearly starting to go through, my symptoms were getting more as I started to move to the States. But then, you know, who knew when you uproot your entire life, give up your job, leave your friends and family, move your entire family to a city 6,000 miles away and try and start again. And, you know, you've mentioned Desert Diaries and I talk about in that podcast and that was great therapy for me because I was thinking... What? This is. I've got to take a driving test at my age again. My instructor wasn't even born when I first took my driving test, and and now I can't get a bank account. I've got no credit. I've got the credit rating of a seventeen-year-old, and yet the responsibilities of someone in their forties with two kids. And it was like, uh, why can't I buy a car? What? Ugh. So it was incredibly stressful. And then, of course, what came rolling up, knocking on our door. Hello, COVID-19. So that was a beautiful cherry on the top of a move to the other side of the world that everyone who planned to come and see us in 2020, suddenly everyone cancelled because they had to, they couldn't. I've still not been. Sorry about that. You've still not been. You were due to... So many people really close to us were due to come out. And that made us... I know, had flights, had booked stuff. In April, booked for April Mm -hmm. 2020. Wow. And, yeah, awful. Gutting. So then I felt really isolated. And I went from... Working from home, running my podcast business from home to suddenly my husband being at home all day, every day, my two kids being at home on Zoom meetings all day, every day. And so, of course, when I started to hate each and every one of them and rage at the world on a daily basis, I was always like, well, it's COVID, it's COVID, you know, I've got, you know, it's my personal space. I'm an only child. I'm used to my own space. Having everyone around all the time. Of course, they're going to drive me Oh, my God, you're really taking me back, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) And I did one day book into a hotel and go to a hotel for a night on my own just to sort of drink a bottle of wine and shout into a pillow. And it was amazing. And I felt so privileged to be able to do that. So That privileged. should be available in the NHS, shouldn't it? That Bloody therapy. should. Bottle of wine and shout into a pillow in a private space. God, it was amazing. I watched, you know, no one told me what to watch on telly. I put it on. I watched absolute trash. And no one went, what's this you're watching? This looks crap. No, I watch what I want. It's very confusing, like you say, with the COVID thing. But did you notice that your anger just increased times 100 because I think that's one thing that I noticed and I, I, that's you, you what it was feel like you've got no control over it no control over it the absolute rage at the smallest thing like why the fuck is the mayonnaise not in the fridge you know <laughs> yes. that angry opening the pantry <laughs> why, why is that there I mean absolute incandescent Decent rage wow. over something that's like, oh, someone's put the mayonnaise in the pantry, not the fridge. I mean, that's oh, that's a bit annoying. You know, people are annoying around you when they're on top of you the whole time. But it was so furious, so angry, and then so devastatingly upset. I mean, mm. I I remember thinking time and time and time again. I remember looking myself in the mirror and going. If I could run away, I would. If I could just run away, I would. And, you know, we've got a little motorhome now. And I remember thinking, we were talking about getting this RV. And I was thinking, if we had that RV now, I'd just drive away. I would walk out the door now. I would drive away and I wouldn't tell anyone where I was going. I just felt like I needed to be away. And I was like, oh, it's COVID, isn't it? Because you're in a house. You're in a house altogether. Mm. You're driving each other mad. That's what COVID is. It's COVID, it's COVID, it's COVID. We, everyone feels like that all over the world. And I... And I remember this sort of fluctuation between, you know, being so angry and then absolutely falling apart, crying, 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 um, was pretty much how my day went every day for a year and a half. I mean, it was 
exhausting to try and keep up with all of that. Um, and did your family notice a big change in you? Did they yeah. spot it? I don't know if it was, again, a, a big change, because it doesn't happen overnight. You don't go to bed going la 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 yeah. and wake up like a raging crazy person. So it did definitely build up. But I do remember hearing my daughter say to my husband, why is mummy angry all the time? All mm. the time. And of course, in my head, it went, well, it's because you're all really annoying is why I'm angry all the time. And then I felt angry that they were kind of calling me out for being angry. And then I felt absolutely devastated and sobbed for hours, you know, over it. And it, and it was horrible. But I have to say that the anger kind of terribly devastated feeling roller coaster that I was on was absolutely nothing compared to the complete dissociation with myself that then grew like some hideous fungus all over my body and right. and I, I would look in the mirror and go I, I, d- I don't know who that is I do not know who that is and and that was awful and it was and explain, can you explain that I mean what did what did he think when he looked in the mirror I just didn't recognize the person and you know I put I put a lot of weight on um I put a lot of weight on and it happened fairly quickly, over a year or so. And again, I was like, COVID, COVID, everyone puts weight on. Everyone's put weight on, haven't they? They all talk about the COVID-20. Well, I managed to put a lot more weight on than that. But I just thought, oh, that's how it is. My skin was so dry that it was like touching a block of, like a tree trunk. I'm not kidding you, on my forehead, it was just awful it felt rough my my hair was really thin and and just lank and again I thought oh it's COVID I've moved to the desert you know Arizona it's a dry heat that's our unofficial state motto you know and people had said to me oh your skin's gonna suffer because it's so dry there you'll need to get like loads of moisturizer I was drinking gallons of water a day I spent, you know, 60 quid on some moisturiser that was meant to plump up, you know, a wizened old leaf and yet still did nothing. And, and and so all of these things, I just look in the mirror and go, I don't know who you are. My face didn't look like my face. My body didn't look like my body. And I didn't feel like myself. You know, it was a kind of an out-of-body experience. And I'd see pictures and I'd go I don't even know who that is I don't know who that is in that photograph and I'd kind of look into my eyes and see can I see myself in there and I just and I just couldn't and then you just sort of sink down into a oh god is this it now is this my life and it's horrible hey gang just to let you know this episode is sponsored by better help so what is better help where's online therapy ems BetterHelp matches you to one of 32,000 licensed therapists based on your location and your preferences. And then you can access therapy from your laptop or your phone. Now, you've had therapy, haven't you, Ems? And you're quite happy to talk about it too. Yeah, and it's really important to talk about it because it has helped me and it has helped so many people. And we talk about mental health all the time on our podcast, don't we? Because my mental health wasn't awful, but it went crashing downhill after I hit what I thought was the midlife crisis and then got even worse when I was actually perimenopausal. And I so benefited from seeing a therapist. It massively, massively helped. If you could sum it up in one sentence, what therapy's done for you. Can you sum it up in one sentence, like how beneficial it's been? It's helped me appreciate the goodness in myself and the goodness in the world, I think. Mm. It's helped me not to dwell on the negative. Love that. To find out more about it and to get 10% off your first month, head to 
betterhelp.com slash effinghormones. That's betterhelp.com slash effinghormones. You have an incredibly busy life. I mean, you achieve amazing things from my perspective. And, you know, as well as being my friend, I'm a huge, huge fan of the your podcast that you make and the work that you do. How on earth were you managing to work whilst all this was going on? What was um, happening there? I think because once you get behind a microphone, you kind of become someone else to a degree. And it was... And that's that was almost the best thing I could do a day was record something or do something because then I took myself out. And I remember being, you know, when I first got into radio, I was going through a divorce. And the best three hours of my day was when I was doing this breakfast show on this teeny tiny radio station in southwest London. Because I would like be in the car, sobbing, shaking, falling apart, walk in and go, la, 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 morning, hi, let's play Madonna, you know, give away a car. And it was great fun. And then I'd leave and completely collapse and fall apart again. Because for those three hours, you're, you're a bit jazz hands, you know, and it was great. So I think that's what I could do. And, you know, being on Zoom meetings all day, every day just meant I could kind of keep going throughout the day because I could be work Sam or or Sam Walker's Desert Diary Sam or mm. speaking to a vigilante Sam. And, and that was kind of okay. But it was when it all stopped and I looked in the mirror, I was like, oh, God, oh, no. They're still there, whoever they are. I don't even know who they are. And I remember pretty much everyone I met during that time I wanted to scream at them, this isn't me. The person you're meeting isn't me. I really wish you could meet me, but I don't know where they are right now. So oh, this is what you're going to have to deal with. So I kind of felt like I was wearing some bizarre outfit, you know, like zipped up, like a mask that I could then one day unzip and go, da-da, here I am underneath. Um, but I didn't know if that day would ever come, really. And were you talking about this to people? Did you tell your family? Did you tell friends I didn't how bad really it know. was? I didn't really know how bad it was it was just constantly you know treading water like mad just to keep your head above I mean it's such a cliche isn't it but that's what it felt like I mean as soon as you say that Sam I just identify with that so much so much yeah you are you're just struggling 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 thousands of women nodding their head at the same yep yep yeah, <laughs> it's awful. It's so, just it's just really sad, isn't it? Because I think you know, our classes we are really good friends, and yeah, I don't think I was really aware of how bad it was for you and how isolated and terrible you felt. Well, and I feel terrible. I know. Well, you shouldn't feel terrible. I I I did try. I did kind of say to a couple of people, I feel really really bad. I feel really awful, and. It was that kind of, and this is no shade on them, but it was like, oh, yeah, COVID shit, isn't it? Oh, yeah, mm, anyway, move mm. on. And people here I didn't really know well enough to talk to them about it. And I also think, much like I talked about, you know, going through a divorce and being able to broadcast every day was my little bit of respite. Actually, speaking to an old friend, they knew the old me. And so mm. they would talk to me as the old me, the me that yeah. they knew who I felt had disappeared. So in a way, I didn't want to go, by the way, I'm not very funny anymore. And all the things you think about me aren't true anymore. But, you know, if you're going to call me up and say, oh, God, you're, you're a badass. You're amazing. Oh, you always make me laugh. I'll be like, OK, I'll, I'll pretend to be that person for a bit because it's easier to pretend to be that person for a bit than actually face up to the person I actually am now. Because that person, I don't know who they are and it's horrible. 
And I think it actually does make you feel a bit better in that moment as well when you're doing that because, I mean, what you're talking about, because, you know, I had birth trauma for, for, for two yeah. years and got very ill with generalised anxiety disorder. I mean, I, I didn't tell my friends about it and it was the same kind of dynamic, Sam, you know, uh, uh, when I was with my good old friends, it was a time of sort of respite and relaxation because... Yeah they knew me so well and thought yeah I'll I'll fall into this me for a bit because this is the me that I like I don't like the I don't like the traumatized generalized anxiety disorder me do you know what I mean so I can can totally understand what you're saying there yeah 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 and at what point did you sort of join the dots and go this disassociation with myself the this anger this anxiety all of this is the fucking menopause I think it was when I got the school the forms to fill out from. Um, during this time, we were applying for permanent status in um, in the USA, so we were filling out ten billion forms for green card application, which is, I mean, it's horrendous. It's pulling teeth, and it's oh, it's and I'm not very good with a form. I literally have slight palpitations seeing an Excel spreadsheet. I'm I'm not yeah. kidding. I've I've got yeah. some sort of. I, uh, you can put me on a stage and I can talk to people, but if you say, just fill it in this spreadsheet, I'm like, I can't do it, and I slightly freak out. So having to do all these forms put me in a kind of very high state of, of alert and anxiety. But um, I had to then fill out all the enrolment forms for my daughter's high school, which was, I mean, as a side, man alive, walking around that high school. I went to do a day <laughs> visit, and literally I walked into the hall, and all I could hear was, hey, hey. Hey, hey. And it was the breakfast club completely. I was going to say, like the, the was football like the jocks, club? the football jocks in the corner. There were the mean girls in their little skirts. There was the nerds in the library playing Dungeons and Dragons and the geeks. And I was thinking, this is the breakfast. This is insane. But anyway, that was by the way. Watching the gym, all the kids are playing basketball. They're like, hey, ma'am. I'm like, ah. So I can't really believe my daughter. That's her actual life. But um, so I had to fill out all these forms and I sat down and I started crying and then I couldn't stop crying. And I was like, I can't do this. I, can't. I remember screaming. I was in the house on my own and screaming at the computer screen and going, this is impossible. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And getting myself in such an absolute frenzy and then having this sort of rising dread. And I went, I have this rising dread all the time. I feel like something really bad is going to happen all the time. And then I sat there and at that precise moment I had like an enormous hot flush and I went, oh shit. And then I realised I'd been having hot flushes, not a huge amount of them, but I think the fact that all those things intersected at that time, I went, Mm. light bulb, oh my God. And then I thought, oh, but this can be fixed. Holy shit. And I felt so, oh my, yes. And so I booked in with my primary care physician uh, which is, you know, your GP, essentially. And I went to see him and I arrived and I went, you know, and you'd started the podcast by then, Helen and Em, and I'd listened to a couple of episodes. Mm. So I'd, I mean, I was like, yeah. Rrr. And I went in and I felt quite fighting. And I walked in and said, uh, right, um, I'm having all these symptoms. I'm, you know, I'm 48 or whatever I was. I uh, I know this is perimenopause. Um, I really want some HRT. And he looked at me and he said, HRT gives you cancer. I'll give you some antidepressants. And I went, ha, ha, ha. I knew you were going to say that because I've listened to effing hormones. And no, (laughs) and no, I'm not accepting it because uh, that study was done in women over 65 who were postmenopausal, blah, 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 blah. And I said, I don't know, but that, you know, that has been debunked and this is what I want. And I felt really powerful for advocating for myself. And he went... And I said, you know, I don't know if it's back in this country, but, you know, where I'm from, that's absolutely been debunked. And he looked at me and he kind of literally stood up out of his chair and he said, 
It's nothing to do with this country. These are peer-reviewed studies that I, as a physician, am well-versed in and you, as my patient, are not. I will not be prescribing you HRT. And essentially shouted me down and I felt like a piece of shit. My God. And I sat there and every bit of kind of confidence and and sort of self-advocacy that I'd managed to muster up which was really hard because I felt crap most of the time. You know, I, I couldn't look people in the eye in the supermarkets. How kind of I drew curtains around myself. You know, that's how bad I felt and how separated from the world. So for me to go in and do this felt a lot. And for him to say that, I was just like, oh, God, he's not going to help me. Oh, God. And I left. And I think that was in August or in September. And about two weeks after I'd left the office, I got a phone call from his office saying oh um you came in to talk about you know perimenopausal symptoms and hr to da, da, da. she went try vitality mds and literally whispered it down the phone and i was like oh my what? god what's what who, what you went vitality mds in scottsdale try them uh, thank you very much bye and it was a really weird phone call and i was thinking who's phone what's vitality mds what's that i don't know what it is you know and i was really confused anyway i just sort of put it in my back pocket of my brain and ignored it. And I I didn't go and speak to anyone else because I didn't know what to do because I'd gone to my doctor and my doctor had told me to get stuffed. And I thought, well, I, I don't know what else to do now. And I'm trying to navigate this system. You know, it's not like England. I didn't understand how everything worked and fitted together. You know, is it in so network or out network? You couldn't have had an option to go and speak to another doctor there. Well, you sort of knew that you were right, though, didn't you? I knew, you knew that, that I was right. studies were debunked. Yeah. I also didn't know what to do. And, you know, when some doctor sort of pulls himself up to his full height and tells you you're wrong and he's right and he knows what he's talking about and don't you question me, it mm. was like, ugh. And I felt even more like a useless piece of shit, really. And um, And so it continued. And, you know, I came back to England in May and I think I had a panic attack for the full month I was there which was really unpleasant I had a big birthday party you were both at and you probably oh, didn't tell no, at all you had no idea you and but I was I you know so sad that this, this was happening when you because you, you'd come over to celebrate your birthday yeah. and see all your friends yeah. the first yeah. time since Covid and I feel so sad it and was I'm horrific. so bloody angry with that GP <laughs> Hiya gang just a little heads up here As you can hear, Sam's been having a very difficult time and she's going to talk more about this coming up. We do need to put a trigger warning in here because the upcoming conversation discusses suicide. Please remember, if you're in the UK or Ireland and you need to talk, the Samaritan's number is 116 123. They're always there, day or night. That's 116 123 in the UK or Ireland. In the rest of the world, please do look up your local mental health number. Back to the interview. Did he force you to have the antidepressants then? Did no, I wouldn't them? take them. I wouldn't no. take them because I said, look, and I don't have anything against antidepressants. I'm not I'm not averse to them as a for treating depression because <laughs> that's what they're good at. You know, and I've got yeah. a friend I've got a friend here who who, you know, takes antidepressants, you know, he put his medication up, re, you know, during COVID and so I know a lot of people they work for really really successfully, but I went I'm not depressed. I'm not mm. depressed. I have got complete dissociation with who I am. I'm crying all the time. At little tasks and I'm so angry I just you know I, I can't bear it and you know so I again I got through coming back and put the smiley face on and went everything's fine and um I mean it was just awful 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 and um 
then I came back to America and I had a dental appointment booked. And I I thought, oh, well, I've been for since I come here because again I didn't really understand and dental insurance is different to medical insurance and are you in network or not what's your deductible what's your copay and I'd be like oh I don't know when I pick you know pick the phone up so I finally went in to see these this um this dentist and I was in there for an hour where they cleaned my teeth and you know American dental uh, standards are much yeah, much they're, higher. They're big, yeah, they're than a British lot better ones. at this than we are. I know, and they did kind of open my mouth and go ah, you know, I felt like Austin Powers. <laughs> it was horrendous, and I sat there and I could feel myself going, you know, and it was rising inside me, and I was thinking, I need to get out, 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 and I was just giving monosyllabic answers. I was like, yeah, yeah, mm, okay, mm. and I left, and they were like, oh, do you want to make your next appointment? I went, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And I ran to the car and I got in the car and I drove back to my house, which was like five minutes. And I walked into my bathroom and I sat down in front of the mirror and uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't speak. I couldn't, I, I couldn't function. I just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. And I remember looking up again at this person in the mirror and just going, I just, who the fuck is this who is this person I don't know who you are and I don't want to be you anymore I don't I don't want to be you I can't do this anymore I cannot do it I remember my husband walking in and for a minute he kind of went oh for god's sake and then he actually looked at me and went oh shit and I just went I can't I can't do it I can't do it I can't do it and you know Having worked on air for such a long time, I know I, I don't want to talk about things that might be trigger warnings too much, but I Googled things that I've never Googled before. And I saw warnings come up on, on Google that I've never seen before. And I was like, oh, shit, OK, I'm, I'm going down a rabbit hole here that I, I kind of didn't even know existed on the Internet. And I sat there and then I just thought about, well, what if I wasn't here? You know, it would be much better for me. You know, my parents, God, they'd be gutted, but they'd be all right, you know. But then I thought my kids, I thought, oh, shit, I can't do it. I can't do it to my girls because, you know, it's not fair on them. I thought they it, that's really going to stuff them up. You know, and it, there was a bit of me going, oh, God, you're shouting all the time. You're angry all the time. You're horrible. You're, you know, you're panicking and anxious all the time. You know, they're going to be a lot better without all of that. But then I thought, God, I remember talking to people whose parents weren't around in those formative years. And it's really, really hard on them. And I thought, I can't I can't do that to them. I can't do it. And so all of this happened in like four hours of an afternoon in my bathroom. And it was just awful, awful, awful. And then I just remembered, I sort of went through everything I'd been through over the last few months. And I remembered that phone call with that person saying Vitality MDs and I was like what, what's Vitality MDs and I looked it up and it was this everything to do with women's health it's completely dedicated women's health facility and I looked it up and there was things like you know weight loss and um, well women checks and breast exams and pap smears and all the rest of it and all well women stuff and then it said hormone replacement and I was like oh they're actually advertising that they do hormone replacement so they're not going to say to me this is bullshit, you need to get out of here. And so I made an appointment and I think I remember emailing because I thought I can't even speak to anybody, I couldn't speak to anyone. But I made this appointment and um, and went in to see them and I remember walking in to the office and, they're, well, walking into the room, this woman called Gina came in, who's a nurse practitioner. And 
she just sat down and she was just like, hey, so, you know, what are you here for? How can I help you? Well, you can imagine how the next 20 minutes went as I just went, you know, and it's the first person I'd really shared any of this with at all. And I kind of told her everything. And she sat there and I just remember her face. She looked genuinely sad. She looked genuinely upset at what she was hearing. And that was the first thing where I thought, oh, my God, someone understands what's going on. Someone believes me and everything. And then she just sort of leaned forward and touched my leg. And she was like, oh, it's OK. It's OK. We're going to get you back. God. And it was like, oh, my God. And I think just being listened to. I to get a little tissue over here now, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it was, oh, she, was just like, she was just like, I'm, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. And it was just... The relief, the absolute relief of, oh, my God, you mean this can end? This, really, you can not make me feel like this? And so I had all my bloods taken and, you know, I then had to wait two weeks to get the blood test back before I could go back and see her. And I was just thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then, of course, everything starts going through your head. What if it says it's all normal or, you know, what do I do? And it was... It was a kind of awful two weeks, but I went back and we kind of she came in with all my bits of paper, and I've still got all these bits of paper, and I should have looked uh, before to give you the exact figures, but I remember, I can't remember. You might know this, what your sort of level of estrogen should be in your body. I think in my head it's like 125 or between 75 and 125 or something like that. She told me all these metrics, and she went, "You're eight." And I was Whoa. like, "Oh, my oh God. okay then." Wow. And you know, she so she found my estrogen was kind of really, really low. And then she said, um, and your thyroid isn't functioning. She went, your thyroid function is like virtually at zero. She went, have you been trying to lose weight? And I was like, uh, yeah. And she went, you can't. You couldn't have lost weight with this lack of estrogen and no thyroid function. She went, mm. you would have bang banging yourself, you know, your head against a brick wall. And I was like, well, that's all I was doing. Hating myself going, what's, well, I can't, I can't even do that. Ugh. And so um, that was the day in August that I had my Tic Tacs put in, as I call them, my two little pellets in my butt, Tic Tacs of estrogen and testosterone, gave me some progesterone tablets to have every night, sent me off on my merry way. And then uh, two weeks later, I went back to see her to have a full well woman checkup because I hadn't even done that. I had no self-care. And um, she said, oh, how are you feeling? And I said, I don't really feel any different. I don't feel any different. She went, it's okay. It takes time. Some people take a couple of days. Some people it takes a couple of months. And I was thinking, oh, God, don't be a couple of months. I can't do this much longer. But I thought, okay, okay, okay. Just just remember that. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And then literally the next day, I woke up. And I remember waking up and thinking, I don't want to burst into tears. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. Okay. And that then was the start over the next few months of kind of me coming back, <laughs> I suppose. And, and you know, I can now look in the mirror, flaws and all, and go, oh, they, oh yeah, hi. <laughs> okay, I know who that person is. And I can look in pictures now and go, oh, yes, that, that person's there again. All right, okay. And, you know, I'm still a slightly lumpy 50-year-old middle-aged woman, I'm not suddenly looking in the mirror and going, oh, my God, there's whoever, insert name of supermodel here, Bella Hadid or someone. I don't, I'm not keeping up with the supermodels these days. But you know what I mean? <laughs> it's not like I look in the mirror and go, oh, it's the transformation. I look in the mirror and go, I know who you are now. Okay, now and that's let's... all you wanted, Sam. That's all, all I, I ever wanted, just to feel all. like you and feel normal. 
Exactly. Yeah. Just feel yeah. like yourself again, you know. It's just so sad, isn't it? It makes you so angry thinking about that doctor being really responsible for the fact that you were nearly not here. And I want to buy Gina a drink. Oh, <laughs> my Gina can have a, God. Can, my Gina Tomei. I've told her I'm going to bigger up. I've already got friends. We friends love you, of mine. Gina. Well in, done. Thank totally. you. Totally. Gina Tomei at Vitality MDs in Scottsdale. And, you know, so comp- so compassionate, so kind. Kindness had been missing from my life, mm-hmm. from any caregiver for such a long time. And for her to just say, we're going to get you back. We're going to get you back. Well, because this is the thing, Sam, you know, because, you know, we are the caregivers, aren't we? Everybody expects us to give the care. We give out the kindness. And so, you know, it's at that moment when not only someone hears you, believes you and then says, I'm going to make you better. I mean, come on. That's just that's that's what we want, isn't it? (laughs) It's what we want. You know, know. I know. Totally. So anyway, Gina. Love you, babe. Come over to Manchester anytime. We'll take another car. <laughs> well, you should get her on the. You should get her on the we'll podcast. We should yeah. get her on. Oh my god, we totally should. But I'm guessing this wasn't a free service provided in America. I'm guessing this was quite a lot of money down the line, was it, Sam? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Um, I mean, my health insurance covers the consultation, so you have consultations with. Um, you know, your privilege, or you have what's called a copay. I think you have to pay $50 or something. The whole thing is so smoke and mirrors, the whole healthcare system, it's insane. But no, I have to buy my Tic Tacs and they're like 400 bucks. And how long do they last? They kind of last up to three months. I mean, she actually said to me, the downside of you losing weight means that they actually don't last as long because apparently they cling on to fat is how oh. they function. So she went, you might have to, you might have to kind of make them a bit more regular. So the insurance does not cover hormone replacement in America. Oh, for God's but, sake. But as Gina told me, if you are a man and you have low testosterone levels, insurance covers that. Oh, of course it does. But it doesn't cover it. Of course for it women. does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> is, is there any chance for campaign on this? I feel like this could be a political cause for I mean, women goodness. in America. Yeah, right. I mean, goodness me. So again, so privileged. I'm so privileged, number one, to have health insurance and number two, to be mm. able to say mm. I can pay $400 every three months. It's it's not a small amount of money. No, it's not. It's really, no. really not. So I just think, and I was talking to my friend Jeannie about it. I sent Jeannie off to Gina because she's, you know, friends have noticed, people I've met since I've been here, I've kind of gone, who are you? And I'm like, oh no, the person you knew before wasn't me. <laughs> the kind of slightly oh. awkward looking at the ground, not really engaging. That that wasn't me. So, hi, sorry, here I am. Um, and so a few of them have said, you know, what's happened? And I've said, well, what's happened is Gina Tomei of Vitality MDs. And so they've gone off to wow. see to see uh, Gina. And uh, I've totally lost the thread of why I was telling you that story. So I'm interested. So you call them these Tic Tacs. So they're yeah. implants. Yeah. Implants in your bum. Yes. Yeah, because so... we don't have pellets in your ass in the UK, do we? <laughs> I trust you. Trust you to put it so delicately. <laughs> you want to get Tic Tacs in your life. They're absolutely great. So, um, yeah, I just, you have, you get numbed up. Gina numbs you up, put some uh, old local anaesthetic in your butt. And then I don't know what she does. She does something that doesn't feel very nice, but it's over quite quickly, said the actress to the bishop. And then, and yeah. then bang, Bob's <laughs> oh, your uncle. You. You've got your Tic Tacs. It's great. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So you've got so, metal in your ass. I mean, would you beat going through a scanner at an airport? No, they look, like tic, they look like Tic Tacs. They are literally look like Tic Tacs. So they just oh. slowly absorb into your body. 
A bit like a, you know, when you when you were a kid and you had bath cubes and you put bath cubes in your bath and they very slowly got smaller. It's like <laughs> That's that. Nice, nice image. But, <laughs> but in my butt. Because <laughs> a lot of women in the UK have the patches, don't they? Which is doing the same thing and it's yeah. absorbing it slowly. But the trouble they have is then they might roll over and they'll be stuck to their husband's arse in the morning. You know, that's the, that's the downside. <laughs> so pellets in your arse, the way forward, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, clearly, so clearly. lucky to be able to afford it. <laughs> and I remember going home to my husband and saying, ooh, it's like $400. And he went... You can't put a price on no, you can't yourself. Put a price on that. Wow. No. But again, saying that, lucky to be able to then, say that. Well, this is it, exactly. I mm-hmm. mean, this is the point we've been making repeatedly on Effing Home is because the amount of us have had to go private in order to get any kind of answers or solutions or resolutions to anything. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's... It, it's not fair. It's not no, cheap. I spent £1,000 in total before I managed to go down the um, NHS route. Yeah. It's just bonkers. And, you know, and I've, I've since I've been talking to, you know, I've talked to friends in England who've gone to their doctors, you know, for terrible, and I'm going to say the catchword of the podcast, vaginal dryness. But, you know, they've, they've gone, they've gone, I mean, a, a friend who went for that and they were just told, oh, it's it's probably, I can't even remember what they were told. It's probably some sort of infection and we're given loads of cream, steroid cream, I think. Oh, for God's sake. This same sake. person had like heart flutters and heart murmurs and, and they yeah. were put on beta blockers or something and they were told no no I I think it's all menopausal oh no it's not and I've been kind of advocating for them and screaming at them down the phone and just going just go in and demand it because this is ridiculous you go showing up with all these symptoms and being told Mm. oh no we'll we'll find some really weird rare condition that it is um, instead of looking the at the bloody aren't being obvious. Joined. The dots aren't being joined no. at all, are they? No. I mean, it's good to know that medical misogyny is alive and well and happening in the States just Ugh. as much as it is in the UK. And <laughs> do you ever have to go back to Twatty Doctor and for anything else? And would there be well, a chance to have a showdown? No, because I, will, I refuse to go back. So I haven't mm. actually had to go to the doctors since that awful experience with him. So, But next time I feel like I'm going to change my primary care... Uh, doctor, because I'm never going back to him. I'm never no. ever going back to him. And you what know is. that if I walked in and when, oi mate, you made my life hell and you made everything a lot worse and you took me to a point I never thought I'd be at, he'd just go. Pfft. Mm. I mean, he was clearly a complete misogynist, and mm. I don't think it would make any difference. So I'm going to vote with my feet because you get paid a lot of money being a doctor in America. Yeah, so not having a patient mm. is gonna is gonna impact you in some way. Every woman I've met now. If they're in their forties, I'm like, right. Let me tell you about something that's coming your way, <laughs> and just start that's thinking about it now. That's why we do the podcast. That's why we do the podcast. I had one friend in New York who's forty-seven start to actually take notes. I went genuinely <laughs> write this down. Brilliant. It, you notice any of this? I have put the fear of God into my girlfriend. I was like, oh, we're interviewing Sam later. She's had a really bad time with the menopause, and she was like, oh God. Not another one. Is any, does anyone have an all right time of it? I was like, well, no, no one we speak to. No, <laughs> You've got to prepare yourself for this. I love. suppose they do. Yeah, somebody yeah, somewhere some does. Do. Like some people yeah. didn't have morning sickness with pregnancy and all the rest of it. Yeah. Where I was like puking into a bucket ten hours a day. But um, I do. I did actually have, and you know, you both know my daughters, but my eldest daughter, who's now 15, <laughs> was sitting, we call it the perch. We've got a little breakfast bar in our kitchen. She was sitting at her perch having her breakfast one morning and there was something on the radio. I was listening to Sheila Fogarty on LBC and, and the word was spoken about, you know, perimenopause or something. And I went, well, do you know what? And that's all as far as I went. And Lila looked at me and went, can we please have one morning where we don't talk about the menopause? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lila. <laughs> 
And I said, <laughs> well, we can, but if I stop now, I'm just going to start again as soon as you hit 30. I'm just going to start ramping it up because, you know, <laughs> right. you need tell to her, know. she is lucky. This is why we had to do this podcast because our mothers didn't tell us anything about it. Yeah, exactly. It won't be like this again. It won't be like no. this again. So exactly. uh, so that's the, one of the positive things. We're, we're all getting, Generation X is getting it all sorted out for everybody coming after us. There you go, kids. That's our legacy. <laughs> Bit of raving and then perimenopause sorting out. <laughs> On to more positive things, yes. because you are looking amazing. Tell us about the London Marathon. Holy yes. smokes. So, yeah, um, I mean, ironically, during this absolutely awful time, I did manage to join a Pilates class because I thought I am falling apart at the seams, so maybe I should try and do something. But I had no confidence. I mean, it was awful. I had no confidence, didn't know what I was doing. Everyone in that class is kind of looks like an Instagram model with sort of, you know, buns of steel. You could bounce a tennis ball off their bottoms. And I sort of go, oh, looking like a sausage that hasn't been pricked. So, gone, you know, this is what my lycra looks like. I'm like, oh, this is her And bloody full-length mirrors everywhere. So that was awful. Oh. But I just ploughed on through and went, look, no one's looking at me. They're also gorgeous. They're looking at themselves. I mean, I'd be looking at myself if I looked True. that gorgeous. So I just thought, just sit at the back and get on with it. So I'd sort of started to do that exercise. But, you know, you know me as well. I always love a challenge. I always love doing something that I think feels impossible and feels scary. And then one of my podcasting clients is this amazing, amazing organisation called Her Spirit. And it's about getting women into exercise. And I know you spoke to Louise Minchin. Mm. recently fabulous louise so i produce that podcast louise presents it and they're an amazing organization and it's all about as women putting ourselves first you know if you've raised the family even if you haven't raised a family you still have so many other responsibilities in your life and it's quite often to put you you know quite often you put yourself at the bottom of the pile you go i'll get to myself later i've got all this other stuff to do first and her spirit's about going, no, put yourself first and just get outside and move and connect with your body again. I think so many of us have quite traumatic experiences at school with PE and it mm -hmm. puts us off exercising for life. But actually, when you start to move again and feel your body again and feel connected to your body, it is amazing. And so I was talking with this group and I was kind of listening to it all a bit going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm sure a lot of people listening now are thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I started to actually do these things and take some of the classes on that they offer online and my Pilates you know I started to do an extra class a week and blah 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 and I was on a meeting with them talking about other things and I the marathon came up and I said you know I've always thought could I ever do a marathon could I could I do one I'm not a runner naturally but you know I've run a few 10ks but could I do it and they were like of course you could of course you could do it anyone can do it if you put your mind to it so you, you actually you actually said that out loud in front of people like that yeah <laughs> Schoolgirl error, right? So the next thing I know is I'm literally getting an email from TCS London Marathon. Here's your registration page. And I, oh. Well, and Sam Walker, when I saw on social media that you were doing the London Marathon, I nearly <laughs> dropped my phone and screamed. I have never been so shocked by anything I've seen on social media. And I don't mean to be rude when I say that, but I was genuinely shocked and, and so impressed, but also shocked. <laughs> You've got a bit of a bone to pick with Emma on this, Sam. Go on. Yeah, I did. So Louise Minchin, Louise Minchin calls me and she said, uh, I've just done the effing hormones podcast because she's doing the London Marathon this year. Now, Louise obviously done loads of triathlon. She's mega fit. She said, uh, so Emma Goswell said, you've never even run for a bus before. I was she like, excuse me. She's so naughty. She's never so ran for a bus. Can't say anything on record in a podcast, can you, without it being quoted back at you? I was like, right, right. I expect a very large donation 
on <laughs> my page, Emma no, Goswell. Well, as, especially as you are doing it for breast cancer, uh, you will yeah. be getting a very large donation from me. Don't worry. Um, yes, that will be happening, and I, I shall be eating my words. Sam Walker will be running for more than a bus. Man alive! Well, listen. How's the training going? And tell us about your just giving page and all of that. Yeah. You know, where, where, what stage are you up to at the moment? Um, I am. So I've been training quite well. What I've noticed is, which is amazing, when I first started training, sort of December last year. I was doing a 5K in about 46 minutes, something like that. And now I'm doing a 5K mm-hmm. in 33 minutes. And it's like, wow. wow. So that I've noticed that. I'm following a proper program, so I'm not going too mad. I'm doing, I was doing three runs a week. Now I'm going up to four runs a week. And you're starting to do these funny sprint things and everything. I'm up to eight miles. And now it goes up a mile until two weeks before the marathon. And then apparently in the final week, you're only meant to do like, yeah, five miles or something yeah, yeah. so I love yeah. the fact mm. a rest run is now a five mile run <laughs> I was like who am I but I did fi- I had an awful run I mean a really bad run last Sunday where my foot just sort of fell apart and it just was having none of it and I just thought what am I doing I can't do this I can't do this it was awful and I was in a lot of pain I literally had to limp home and I thought oh shit oh, Whoa, no. no I'm gonna let everyone down it's a horrible feeling but I went out for five miles on Monday uh, sorry Tuesday and it was okay it was okay and I got Good. through it fairly well. So I'm now, yeah, I'm heading up for my nine miles this Sunday. And uh, ooh, if you find me on Instagram, Sam Walker Radio, there's the little link to my, I think it's Ensure. It's a bit like Just Giving, but it's Ensure, it's called. It's some link to the marathon fundraising page. But it's all for breast cancer because, you know, Breast Cancer Now, they are an amazing, amazing charity. They're trying to mean, you know, eliminate breast cancer by 2050, meaning everyone who has it lives really well, lives full stop. And, you know, I know so many people, obviously, Emma, I thought of you straight away and, you know, losing Mm. your sister, Abigail. One of my really good friends, Ian, lost his mum to breast cancer. So many friends. I thought of Rachel Bland, who I worked with at Five Live. Um, My cousin, Sarah, lost her life in her early 50s with four children, grandchildren. And I thought we just need to to help people stay together with people they love as long as possible, really. So that's why I'm doing it. And... um, I went to get some fancy trainers fitted Bravo. at some shop. Well. <laughs> and he said, so what, what's your goal for the marathon? And I was like, just to get around it? <laughs> just to finish it? That's it. <laughs> yeah. I don't well, I'm so, I'm so, you, so impressed, Sam, honestly. I feel like, you know, since Abigail passed, I should have done something, even a 10K or something, and I've not managed it. So well done, and thank well, you for raising money baby. for such a cause. Well, I, I could use that as an excuse. But you've I had a baby, a baby and you've talk, talked about it on podcasts, which yeah. is very yeah. a lot of awareness raising. So you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. True. We're but super yes, proud well of done, you, babe. Super proud of you. Oh, Amazing. Thanks. thanks, thanks. Gosh. I just, the thing is, like, because, I mean, I I listened to American Vigilante. I listened to Desert Diaries. Listening to Desert Diaries was great because I just, you know, we're over in the States. It was COVID. I was like, oh, it's my mate Sam. And I'm walking around, you know, I'm on my daily walk. And it, it made me feel close to you. And just to think all that stuff was going on behind all of that. I mean, I just, mm. the plates that you kept on managing to spin is quite incredible, really. And and I'm, 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 I'm full of admiration for you for that as well, you know? I think we do. I think especially you know if you've got children or you've got some other person to care for if it's a partner or a parent or whoever it is you do put yourself at the bottom of the list and and you carry on for that in a way but i i think 
there needs to come a time where we stop celebrating women who sacrifice themselves for everybody else. And I think we all 100%. grow up with stories of, oh, she's selfless. She's selfless. She's got four kids and her husband. And she, she doesn't ever do anything for herself. She gives all her time to her kids. She puts them first. She, she never has any break. She works five, six days a week. And Stop saying, well done. Say, she needs some help. What she's mm. doing is incredible. Let's give her some help. Because mm. I think quite often we feel like, oh, it's I, I'm somehow, you know, morally superior if I put myself to the bottom of the pile. But it doesn't help mm. yourself putting yourself to the bottom of the pile. It really, no. really, really doesn't. And let's mm. let's set an example, especially if there's young girls in your life, daughters or nieces or whoever it might be, to go. Do you know what? Don't sacrifice all of yourself for other people. Doing something for yourself is the example we want to set, so that you know there isn't another generation of women who always put themselves last. And do you feel like you've learned anything else? Do you feel like there are any positives from everything that you've been through in the last sort of three years or so? I don't know. That's a really hard question. I mean, it was all so awful. But I mean, once you're out of something, then then it it suddenly becomes in the past, doesn't it? It becomes more of that blurred memory and you can't remember how awful it was. But... I suppose it would be that, that, I mean, advo- I did advocate for myself and I was shut down and it took me a long, long time to stand up again and try and get some help again. Maybe it would be that, you know, if you are shut down, keep trying. But that's incredibly easy so to hard, say when you're that's at the other we side. we keep doing this. That's why we yeah. keep doing this because, you know, we've got to carry on. It's so easy to think like, oh, Davina did her documentary and there was all this stuff last year and there were stuff in Parliament, whatever. Think, oh, you know, oh, it's all getting rolling on and it's all getting better, isn't it? No, it's bloody not, no. actually. We're going to carry on talking about it. Just keep on talking about it in the hope that other people listening and people have experienced this because they've told us that it makes them feel better that they're not the only bloody ones, you yeah. know? Yeah, even if it's really, just for that. Really not. And don't put up with it. Don't put mm. up with it. You don't have to. I was listening to the radio the other day and this older lady came on. She said, oh, all this talk, I'm really getting sick of it. You know, all these women going, why well, menopausal? Give me some time off. She went, I never had any of that. I got through it. And <gasps> yes, I got osteoporosis. And yes, I had all this terrible anxiety. But in those days, it was just called getting on with it. And I just think it makes women look weak and makes women look pathetic when we start talking about how awful we what? feel with the menopause. Get your head down and get on with it. And luckily, you know, the next call was a woman uh, in her 50s who was actually an NHS nurse. And I can't remember the older lady's name, but say it was Brenda. She came on, she went, Brenda, Brenda, I wish someone had been able to help you. And that's all it was. And, you know, Mm. this whole narrative of, well, I went through hell and I'm still here, so you should do it too. It's just utterly ridiculous. You don't deserve it. And this whole... You know, Gina Tomei from Vitality MDs said to me that, you know, she'd had women coming to see her and their doctors had said to them, oh, just grow old gracefully. Just grow <gasps> old gracefully. Oh, I know. I Put know. in their ass. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, what was interesting as well, Please Gina do, Tomei, Emma. when Gina told me, she said that she'd been through um, cancer 
when she was in her 30s and she'd been given some hormone blocker to help with this other treatment she was having that basically took all the estrogen out of her body. And she said, within a week, she said, I hated everyone in my family. I hated my husband. I hated my children. I couldn't bear to be around anybody. I wanted to take myself away. She wanted to get in my car and drive away. And she said, and this happened, bang, really quickly because they took that hormone away. And she said, and that made me totally realise what women are going through because now I felt it. And I turned, she said that she turned around to her doctor and went, look, if it if it brings the treatment uh, viability down a bit, I don't care. I cannot live like this. Can't I do cannot. It. Yeah. Yeah. So you've it's got to walk the walk. It's a simple problem with mm. a simple solution and yet women are fighting to get what they deserve and what they, their bodies need. It's, it's, it still you're makes you're fighting me... to get bloody access to what you need. At the moment. Are you flushing again there, Rems? You've got a bit pink again. No, I'm... <laughs> We're not blushing. No, I'm just angry now. I'm just angry. <laughs> I don't even need to have a hot flush to be angry about this, Alan. No. Yeah. Oh, I'm so, so pleased that you're feeling better and I'm so proud of you for doing the London Marathon. Please, everybody, check Sam's socials, get on there, give a response and we'll be cheering you on. Oh, thank you. Or even if you know, I know times are hard. If you can't, if you can't afford anything, that's absolutely fine. I understand. But you know, genuinely a message. And everyone says, "Oh, the messages really keep me going." Do you know what they really bloody do? And when I'm at mile Aww. six and I'm dragging my legs along the floor, I think I do yeah. genuinely look at my page and see messages. So a few people have left messages without a donation, and I'm really thankful for that. So yeah, please do, and I would, I would love it because it's, uh, it really does spur you on. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us. It's been lovely to chat to you, Sam, and horrible, horrible to hear what you've been through, but wonderful to hear about the outcome and um, that you're feeling yourself again. We're just oh, no. uh, made At up. last, eh? Made At up. last. It's great. Wonderful. And thank you for coming on Effing Hormones. Nice to see you. As soon as we've got a national broadcaster uh, with us, can you? Why, why didn't you do our outro? Because, you know... Oh. Three, two, one, go. Thank you so ah. much for listening to Effin Hormones. Go to effinhormones.com to find out all about the podcast and please do rate and review and most importantly share with every single person in your life whether they are Woo. going through the perimenopause or not. Yay. And yeah, don't put up with it. You don't have to. Get yourself some help. You're ace. Love you, Sam. I'm out of a job, aren't I? No. <laughs> Never misses. Never. <laughs> Oh, love you, Sam. Now, just to let you know, we're taking a little break, but we will be back with you in May. Thanks, gang. 